Hey everybody, and welcome to the Little Oracles podcast, an oracle for the everyday creative. I'm Allison Arth. So I did a hot takes episode back in season one, kind of debunking the notion that there is a right time to enter into a creative project, and also the essentialist and even gatekept definitions of creativity and creator. And I'll link that episode in the show notes. So I thought I'd do one again this season for the drama. <laughs> no, I mean, I, these takes probably aren't going to ruffle, you know, any feathers, but they are, I guess you could call them convictions that I hold about creativity and things that might get you thinking or rethinking the thinking that you've been doing about your own work or hobbies or creative practices. So let's get right into it, shall we? Hot take number one. Inspiration isn't a location. Now, let me give you a little bit of context here. So I've been doing these creative chats, basically conversations with other cross-media creatives. And we talk about their practices and their backstories and their current work and naturally where they go for inspiration. And I've been asking this question a bunch, not just on the podcast. This is something I talk about with virtually everyone I know. And I'm sure you do this too. The what are you watching? What are you reading? What are you listening to? Where are you traveling questions? The questions that at least for me make up a considerable part of talking with other human beings. <laughs> because I, I personally love to know what lights people up. You know, what books or movies or albums or games or natural landscapes or whatever are exciting them. Because maybe I might like to have those experiences too. Like it's, you know, kind of selfish in a way, but I love to hear people talk about what they love or what moved them or what gave them pause or what helped them recontextualize something in their own life. And you know why? It's just like basic human connection, I guess. But this might not come as a surprise, but those affecting experiences, the ones that effect that type of interior alchemy, I guess you could call it, they aren't sighted somewhere. They're everywhere. They're they're anywhere. And I know that sounds kind of silly. <laughs> it's kind of generalized ubiquity. But all I'm getting at is that my premise when I ask this question is flawed. Where do you go for inspiration? And where do you look for inspiration imply this inherent locality and almost a permanence, as though inspiration is an object, or at least something that can be planted or placed. And I think that's why when we answer this question, we so often gravitate toward categories of creative expression that have been societally sanctioned as worthy sites of inspiration. Things like literature, like visual art, like music, like literal cultures we can experience through travel. And that isn't to say those categories are bogus. Obviously, they aren't. Obviously, there is plenty of inspiration to be had and found in those places. But aren't we kind of limiting ourselves by creating through the words of our very question, these like unspoken boundaries? Like maybe I get inspired to build a better cornhole board for my backyard after watching the American Cornhole League championships, <laughs> you know? Maybe I'm getting really into weightlifting and it's inspiring me to, I don't know, write a role-playing game about the gradual ratcheting of expectations for 
the steward of a solar punk community during the onset of a secondary apocalypse, as expressed through the medium of quilting. You see what I'm saying here? Like, inspiration doesn't have to come from somewhere, and it doesn't have to come direct. Inspiration is just the spark. It's agnostic. It's multivalent. It's polyglot. It's kind of a constant. And so I am trying to rewrite that question, and maybe you'd like to, too, if this is something you find yourself falling into as well, rather than asking where people go or look for inspiration, I'm trying to ask what inspires you, what excites you, what makes you want to make something too. And do you see how removing that little word, that where, kind of refashions the whole premise? Focusing on the what over the where frees us up to all these new avenues and these paths to drawing the connections among weightlifting and solar punk stewardship and quilting, you know what I mean? So maybe next time you're tempted by the where of inspiration, ask after the what instead. I know I'm going to try to. And that takes us to hot take number two. I mean, kind of. <laughs> hot take number two. I'm your buckleberry. <laughs> and yes, I said buckleberry, not huckleberry. And some of you out there might be wondering why I would say huckleberry anyhow, but just corral those horses or maybe send them upriver about 20 miles. And let me explain to you. So a couple things you need to know going in. I'm your huckleberry was famously uttered on the silver screen by the inimitable Val Kilmer as Doc Holliday, the Old West gambler and gunfighter in the now-classic 1993 Western Tombstone. It was actually a popular saying in the 1800s, it turns out, and it basically means, I'm the one for the job. And Buckleberry is the name of a very crucial fairy that Frodo Baggins and his cadre of hobbits used to escape the deadly Nazgul in The Fellowship of the Ring, and it's in this moment of extreme peril that Mary, Marriott of Brandybuck, has the wherewithal to point the hobbits toward that little raft, that little ferry, so that they can cross the Brandywine River and force the ring wraith to ride, hellbent for leather, the 20 miles to the nearest crossing at the Brandywine Bridge. And they effectively escape this evil thing's clutches, at least for the moment. <laughs> so that's the first two pieces of this puzzle. And here's the third. So when I was a junior in high school, I was in this English class, and teaching this English class was the coolest woman. I'll call her Ms. B. I was just so enthralled with her, the way she spoke, the way she inhabited space, the way she interacted with us, the students, just everything. It was just effortless. And so after we turned in our first essays of the year, following her prompt about symbolism in that J.D. Salinger story, A Perfect Day for Banana Fish. I don't know if you've ever read this, but she asked me to stay after class, which terrified me <laughs> because I was a kid who at that time responded to structure and to systems and to parameters. And in my 16-year-old mind, being asked by this teacher whom I basically idolized to stay after the bell was indicative of some failure to function within the given structure or system or parameter. So I was like freaking out. <laughs> and Ms. B, she sat me down and she said something to me that changed my course, like for real. It did 
more than just reroute my path. It kind of reinvented my compass, actually, because she said to me that after reading my essay on Salinger and symbolism based on a prompt that she developed, she wanted to untether me, so to speak, and give me the option and the opportunity to write essays based on my own prompts for the rest of the year. So like I'd write to whatever source material everyone else was writing to, but I could come up with my own framework and develop my own theory and thesis and just write about what resonated with me and what grabbed me and what got me excited about a piece of literature. And so that's what I did for the rest of my junior year. I came up with my own essay prompts and some of them were more realized and more viable than others, obviously. But it was this massive paradigm shift for me because before every assigned prompt was just a goal. It was a brass ring to catch. And after I entered into every reading assignment looking for something, you know, trying to pull the threads together all on my own. And it wasn't until I started this podcast, you know, 25 years later, that I really recognized the significance of that offer as a creative prod and an invitation to shift my rule-following mind to a more open and curious one. It gave me the space to explore my own critical thinking, my own synthesis, my own argument. It was the ultimate gift, you know, permission to trust my own judgment and my own creative insight. It was permission to just swing and to swing as big as I wanted and to expose myself to critique and to questions and to challenge and to stretch and to search and to find my own voice as a thinker and as a writer and as a creator. And you know, permission is a loaded word, right? Like, we're all our own people. We're all these lively, lovely, creative individuals. And like, you, for one, don't need permission to enact your bold and your beautiful and your wild ideas. You don't need permission to experiment and explore. But sometimes we all need a little push, right? We all need that prod. We all need that Ms. B energy. <laughs> and guess what? For that, I'm your huckleberry. And since I love a good portmanteau that transduces its component parts into something even more meaningful, and in this house, a Lord of the Rings reference is never unwelcome, I'm your buckleberry too. I'm here to encourage you and to cheer you on and to say that I have faith in you. I'm here to give you that push you need to escape the Nazgul of your negative self-talk or imposter syndrome or whatever is keeping you from your own awesome creative self to outsmart that part of you that says you shouldn't or couldn't or you can't. I'm here to give you that green light to explore and to search and to accept challenge. So if there's something in your life right now that you feel like you need permission to do that you feel like is a stretch for you maybe you want to do a painting or maybe you want to start a TikTok about board games or maybe you want to learn how to make beef wellington or maybe you just want to read a book and post your thoughts about it on instagram consider this your permission your push your buckleberry fairy to the banks of creatorship <laughs> And if you start that TikTok and you make one video and only six people watch it and then you decide it's not for you, that's great. You know, you did it. You gave yourself a prompt and you answered that prompt. And that's worth celebrating because you trusted your judgment. You trusted your insight. 
You trusted your creativity, you trusted your voice, and you trusted yourself. And that's it for this week. Thank you so much for hanging out. If you're grooving on little oracles, maybe someone you know would too. So share an episode, leave us a rating or a review wherever you listen. I would certainly groove on that. <laughs> Get more big book energy and creativity content over on Instagram at littleoracles and at littleoracles.com. And as always, take care, keep creating, and stay divine. Teaching this English class was the most effortlessly was the most effortlessly I can't say this word was the most effortless the most effortless <laughs>